Class is in session. You're listening to Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshay. Let's go! Now, let's start the show. Podcast listeners, thank you so much for checking out today's show. This is episode 34 of the Squat University podcast. The goal with each and every one of these shows is to bring you as much value-packed content to help you move better in the gym and in life, decrease your body's aches and pains, and help you reach your true athletic potential. Now, before we get started today, I wanted to remind you guys all about the Squat U Club. Now, if you have not seen this yet on Instagram, here's the deal. I try to help out as many people as possible on a daily basis, either over DM or email, basically fix issues with people's technique, help them recover from the normal aches and pains of everyday training in the weight room, but I cannot get to everyone. For this reason, I decided to make this daily giveaway club for the hardcore squat you fans out there in order to try to help more people by giving away what I hope can be extremely valuable to you, which is my time. So here's the deal. Every day I post a new piece of content on Squat University Instagram. As soon as that goes live and as quick as possible, if you like and comment with the hashtag SquatUClub on that post, I will pick one person each day to help. In order to be the first in line and get your name in the drawing, you want to make sure you have on post notifications. So go to the Squat University Instagram page at the very top right. There's three little buttons or three little dots. Click on that, scroll down, turn on post notifications. Every single time I post, hopefully Instagram will give it to you as quick as possible. I know sometimes it's saying it's a little bit late, but as soon as I post, you will get a notification. Squat University just made a post. Head on over, like Comment with that hashtag SquatU Club and you will be entered into that drawing. Every single day, one person will be chosen as a winner and we'll get to work on whatever you need. And that is the SquatU Club. So let's talk now about today's topic, which is everything hip mobility. Now, when we're talking about the term mobility, we're referring to the ability specifically of the hip joint today to move through a specific range of motion. The ability to express this mobility and the amount you can show has a dramatic effect on your mobility, basically, to hit specific positions during your barbell lifts, like a squat, a clean, a snatch, get under the barbell, and even your ability to bruise power in those positions. So when we're talking about hip mobility, we're not just talking about the ability to achieve certain technical positions in our lifting, but we're also talking about your ability to then perform once you get there. So let's first talk about how we assess mobility because there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just clear cut, move your leg, there you go. There's a number of different components and factors that actually determine how much mobility we can show at the hip. So the first one I want to talk about is the muscles and soft tissue. There are a number of muscles and different fascial uh, tissues. Those are basically, remember, like a spider web of connective tissues that run through and envelop the different muscles of your body. Um, All these different muscles surround the joint itself. And if you have stiffness or adaptive shortening in any of those muscles, it can affect how the femur is moving in the joint. Now, a few weeks ago, I discussed the topic of piriformis syndrome. Now, remember, the piriformis is a very small muscle deep underneath your big glute muscles, and it can become stiffened or spasmed sometimes. That's something we refer to refer to as short piriformis syndrome. 
And when that happens, it can limit hip rotation, basically how the joint itself is moving and can therefore hurt your ability to achieve like a full depth squat. It hurts your ability to show good mobility. Now, that is just one example. There's a number of different muscles that can become stiff and short surrounding the hip joint and therefore will affect how the joint itself is moving. The next, if we go a little bit deeper, we can look at the hip capsule. Now, what is a hip capsule? It's basically this thick, sort of like a glove that covers the hip joint itself. Some people can develop stiffness in certain parts of the capsule, which can then change, again, how the femur moves in the socket. So, for example, uh, the posterior and lateral part of the hip capsule for some people, we believe that they can adaptively become stiff and short. For whatever reason, you sit all day, you've moved poorly, an adaptive response to the type of training you've done. The femur can then start to ride or move more forward in the joint, which could eventually push the femur into the front side of the hip socket and create a hip impingement. So this is one reason why FAI, femoral acetabular impingement, occurs is because the femur is now moving sort of off axis. It's a little bit more forward in the socket itself. And as you go into a deep squat, the femur rotates in the socket, but because it's more forward in the socket itself, it can smash into the front side of the hip socket. And that over time uh, can create a lot of bad things like a torn labor. So that is the second thing, which is the hip capsule. So let's go one step deeper. And under the hip capsule, obviously, the last factor is hip anatomy. So when we're discussing hip mobility, we have three big factors to look at. We have to recognize the importance of soft tissue work, uh, muscles, fascia. We have to understand the capsule. But then you also have to understand how the body was set up its bony architecture when we're talking about and discussing mobility. Now, the hip is considered to be a ball and socket joint. Basically, the socket has a ton of coverage in the femur. The end of it, at least, is shaped like a ball and it fits inside the socket and then moves from there. However, some people are born with a different setup as far as how deep that socket is. Now, last week on the podcast, I had the honor of sitting down and talking with Dr. Stuart McGill on the podcast. And if you have not listened to that show yet, episode 33, pause this one, go back to that, listen to it. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Uh, Dr. McGill is the world's foremost authority on spine biomechanics, um, but has basically so much knowledge on all things anatomy, function, how the body should be moving and how it also relates to being a strength athlete. He has worked with so many powerlifters, weightlifters, uh, Olympians in a variety of different sports, um, and he has so much knowledge that we talked about on that podcast, so go back and listen to that one. There was a ton of knowledge bombs and takeaway. But one of the things that we talked about was the difference in anatomy at the hip socket and how it affects squat depth and power production when you're lifting. Now, like I said, the hip joint is that ball in socket joint. The socket in most people is fairly deep. However, some people are born with a naturally shallow hip socket. It's just called hip dysplasia. 
And those who have it are able to show a tremendous amount of hip mobility because there's not much bony coverage on the joint. So basically, the ball, the end of your femur, can move around a lot more in the socket without smashing into things. It's an easy way to think about it. So there's more mobility, more movement that's allowed at the joint because there's less, uh, I guess, passive structures, if we're talking bony anatomy, holding it back. Now, if you look at the research, there are trends that we see in certain populations around the world who have higher and lower incidences of hip dysplasia. Now, for example, there's one specific article I was just reading a couple weeks ago, and it was published in 2011 that showed the highest incidence of hip dysplasia in the world was in Polish Caucasians, and it was about 61.7% of the populations. Now, if we compare that to Caucasians from the UK, they were about 4%. Now, what does this mean? Well, according to those numbers, on average, a weightlifter, for example, from Poland will be able to show a deeper squat due to the anatomy of their hip sockets compared to a weightlifter from the UK. Now, why I think uh, you guys need to go back real quickly and go listen to that Dr. McGill podcast is because he also commented on that and uh, his ideas on how this will also affect performance for the lifter with more mobility is because he thought and is it in his experience was that the lifter with more hip dysplasia will actually have greater power production in those deep squats and when pulling the bar from the ground. So if we're talking about uh, weightlifting, if we're talking about powerlifting, obviously we need to be able to have a lot of power off the ground. And especially in weightlifting, you need to be able to catch that bar, whether we're doing a clean or a snatch. You need to be able to get in the deepest position possible if you want to be the most efficient and proficient weightlifter as far as what you're capable of doing on the platform. Now this high degree of hip dysplasia and therefore functional hip mobility in the eastern countries like Poland, if you look at the research, is one factor why they have likely historically done so well in the sport of Olympic weightlifting. Now, we need to take this with a little caution, not jump to any huge conclusions, because remember, this is only one factor for hip mobility. It's only one factor in probably the performance of any of those sports. I caution you to only think that countries with uh, research that have shown a very high degree of hip dysplasia to be the only or the most important factor in creating an Olympic weightlifting champion. So for example, if you look at the world record count for world weightlifting championships, for example, China is ranked number one as far as how many world weightlifting medals they have won. But if you look at the research, the prevalence for hip dysplasia in China is like 1.52%. That's a very low percentage compared to that really high number. Remember, it was like 67% in Poland. So clearly, we can't say that the ability to show a high degree of hip dysplasia is the only or even the most important factor when it comes to performance, but it's something to keep in mind when you're looking at you know, hip mobility and what that can allow you to potentially do. Now, let's switch this discussion and talk about another way that the hip can be formed um, and how that affects hip mobility, and that is those who have a very deep hip socket. So basically the exact opposite. When the femur rotates in a very deep hip socket, 
it has a greater ability to come in contact with the front side of the socket and smash things together. And this is called, like I said, a hip impingement. And if it happens enough, it can create very bad injuries like torn labrums. Now, what does this mean for someone who has a very deep hip socket? It means that they will often has have less hip mobility as someone uh, or compared to someone who has a very shallow hip socket. This is why countries that have very high percentages of hip dysplasia, for example, Poland or also Japan, uh, will also have very low incidences of FAI, femoral acetabular impingement. One of the research articles, I just read another one, said that uh, the Japanese actually have a FAI or femoral acetabular impingement rate uh, of 0.6%, so extremely low, and their hip dysplasia percentage was like over 50%. So obviously that is something that we need to be able to take into consideration because when you have a very deep hip socket, it's going to decrease your hip functional mobility. You're not going to be able to get very deep in the squat and your chances of if you're trying to go that deep in the squat of having a hip impingement rise very drastically. Now, again, this is based on research that is looking at norms of what these researchers found when examining large groups of people. Just because you're a white dude from Poland doesn't mean you automatically have great hip mobility. And just because you're a white dude from England doesn't mean you necessarily have the uh, a poor ability to get into a deep squat. You know, not everyone is built the same. And these are percentages based on large degrees of people. The big takeaway is that hip anatomy can have a drastic uh, effect on your functional hip mobility. So it is something that we need to take into consideration when we're talking about the positions that we can get into as weightlifters, powerlifters, and crossfitters, and how that's going to affect our potential performance. So those are just a few of the factors that come into play when we're talking about hip mobility. There's flexibility component of the muscles and soft tissue. Uh, I gave that one of the piriformis today. There's a capsular component, which we can modify with things like banded joint mobilizations if problems do occur there. And there's also the anatomy, the bony component, which is obviously something we don't have any control over. Now, when the hips lack adequate mobility, there's a few things that can happen. First, the knees will lose stability and start to bow inward, so a collapse of the knees, that valgus collapse. Another thing that can happen is the lower back can fail to remain in a stable position and can also round. So each of these movement problems can wreak havoc on our power production and our technique and therefore increase our risk of injury. So when we're looking at hip mobility, remember we can take that joint by joint approach. When we're looking at the body, there are specific joints that have requirements as far as do they need a lot of mobility or a lot of stability to support good looking technique. The hip is obviously an area that requires both mobility and stability, but if we don't have mobility, the ability of the joint to move through a full range of motion specific to the task we're trying to do, if we're trying to get under a deep clean, you need a lot of hip mobility. If you do not have that, other areas in the body will break down in compensation because you're pushing it into a point it does not have the capability to do. So that's why we see breakdown in knee control and breakdown in back control. That's why we develop knee pain or back injuries because of the hip. So that is why it is such an important thing to understand whenever you're going about trying to fix movement problems when you see them so that you can then perform at your best. So where do we start screening these issues? Well, 
First, uh, we can do a very simple assessment. Every single time someone comes into my clinic at Boost Physical Therapy and Sports Performance out here in Kansas City complaining of an injury, the first thing I do in being a detective to figure out why they have that injury in the first place is I need to see them move. So I get them out of their shoes, and one of my first assessments is a bodyweight squat. So I'm going to have you take your shoes off. I'm going to have you assume a shoulder-width stance position, toes relatively straightforward. Remember, that's about a five to seven degree toilet angle. It is not specifically 100% straightforward. Then I'm going to ask you, squat to full depth. Now, in order to do this, you need a good amount of hip flexion and internal rotation mobility. If you are unable to squat to full depth with your toes in that relatively straightforward position, it means that there are some issues that we need to address. And we can dive into figuring out, is this a soft tissue issue? Is this a capsular issue? Or is this due to your anatomy? We then need to break down and look at all three of those factors. Now, here's one thing you can do as far as looking at uh, hip internal and external rotation. Now, if I'm, again, not painting the most beautiful picture of exactly what this looks like, uh, you know, squatuniversity.com. I've got a number of blogs on there for free. Uh, I share a lot of these on the Squat University uh, Instagram page and on YouTube. But go on there and you'll see exactly what these look like. You're going to lay on your back. You're going to have a friend take your thigh, bend it up to about 90 degrees so your knee is straight up and down. And then they are going to rotate in and out your lower leg. And we're looking for internal and external rotation. Internal rotation is when that foot is moved away from the midline of your body. And external rotation is when the foot is moved to the inside of the body or towards the midline of your body. Now, our goal when we're doing that is to assess if there's any big limitations. Most people should get to like at least 30, 40 degrees or so in each direction. But if there is a big difference, let's say you have 90 degrees of external rotation. So when that thigh is parallel or perpendicular to the ground, sticking straight up and down while you're on your back, if you can pull your foot all the way to the inside of your body to where it is now facing uh, your other leg, that's a lot of hip external rotation. But let's say you try to go to internal rotation. You've got like two degrees of internal rotation. That's a clue that there's something probably going uh, wrong or not wrong that's different uh, anatomy-wise or capsular-wise. That's probably not just a soft tissue issue. Um, so that's just one clue. But we're looking for, do we have symmetrical uh, hip mobility side to side? Now, when we're doing these evaluations, you always have to be specific to the population you're trying to assess. If I'm assessing a baseball player, it's going to be a little bit different than if I'm assessing a weightlifter because a weightlifter performs all of his movements very symmetrically. Obviously, the jerk is a little bit asymmetrical because one foot is forward and the other foot's back. But a squat, a pull, a catch of all your lifts are very symmetrically based. So if I have a lot of internal rotation on one side and I'm missing a lot of internal rotation on one side, that's a clue that that may be a big reason why I'm having an injury or an issue with my technique. So we're looking for as much as possible symmetry with power lifters, weightlifters, and crossfitters as far as our hip flexion and our internal and external rotation. Now, another one we can do is looking at uh, hip flexion mobility. So take your knee, drive it all the way to your chest. How far can you go? Can you pull your knee all the way to your shoulder without compensation of your low back rounding? 
Now, some people, when they try to bring their knee towards their chest, they sort of run out of room. It's like they just can't bring their thigh anymore closer to their body or else their back's going to pop off the ground. If that's you, take your knee and try to pull it out uh, away from your body a little bit. Angle your thigh away from your body, away from the midline of your body. Do you get any further? For some people, they may be able to only bring their thigh maybe to like 90 degrees straight forward. But if they bring their knee out to the side and angle it towards their arm, they're able to bring it much further into hip flexion. So their thigh is able to reach towards their chest that much further. That is another clue that your hip mobility, based on either anatomy, capsule, or possibly soft tissue restrictions, is a little bit different and we need to dig a little bit deeper. Um, some people can go all the way to their chest and if that's you, that's awesome. You probably have very, very good hip mobility. One other test that you can do, this is one that you're probably going to have to look up. It's called Craig's test. Just do a simple Google search, YouTube Craig's test. That's going to give you another clue into whether or not your hip anatomy may have to change your squat stance. And that's also something that I've talked about on a previous podcast. I believe we called that squat anatomy. So go back, listen to that one. We talk about that in depth um, on there. Now, once you're able to determine what your limiting factor in hip mobility is, it will allow you to then craft a better fix for improving it if we can. Obviously, soft tissue restrictions can be approved with stretches and mobility work. One of my favorite ones is the deep goblet squat stretch. All you're going to do is grab a heavy-ish plate, maybe 10 kilos or a 25-pound plate or a kettlebell, and you're going to just squat down all the way. Now, using the kettlebell and offsetting your body weight by holding it in front of yourself is going to allow you to squat down a lot deeper into a very deep squat position and feel a stretch in your hips. Now, obviously, I don't want you to do this if it is creating an impingement pain on the front side of your hips. One thing you can do to sort of help improve your hip mobility if we're talking about solely a soft tissue restriction is as you're squatting down, drive your knees out to the side. It's going to help open up your hips. Now, keep your feet firmly planted and you don't want to drive your knees so far out to the side that you lose your foot stability. So still keep your feet planted in a fairly straightforward foot position for most people. Big toes jammed down to the ground. Drive your knees out to the side. That's going to help improve a little bit of that hip rotational mobility and squat all the way down as deep as you can. Now, if you have a soft tissue restriction, you're going to feel a little bit of stretch in your hips when you're doing this. Sit down there for about 10 to 30 seconds. Come back up. Try to work your feet a little bit wider and then squat down. Eventually, you're going to notice that your hips are going to feel that much more open and you're going to be performing that much better because you're going to get into that much better technical positions when it's time to pick up the barbell. So that's that one. As far as the next one, we talked about hip capsule restrictions, and that can lead to hip impingement. Now, obviously, hip impingements are things I've talked about before in prior podcasts. I've shown a lot of things on social media about them. If you have that pinch sensation in the front side of your hip, that's often a reason, especially if you feel it in the bottom of a deep squat, clean, or snatch, for having FAI, femoral acetabular impingement. Now, there's a few reasons why this can occur, but one of them, or if we're talking about mobility, is a stiff or shortened capsule, especially the posterior and lateral fibers of that capsule. One area or mobility exercise that can allow us to improve that issue are banded joint mobilizations. Again, 
go on YouTube, look up banded joint mobilization, squat university. I've got some good uh, visuals of how to perform that. But those are stretches because we're using a very thick band that can allow us to focus in our force on improving hip capsule and mobility if that is an issue. Now, the last one, anatomy. Let's say you did all your testing and it's leading you to believe that you have an anatomy issue. Maybe you did Craig's test and you found out you have a lot of femoral retroversion. Uh, You did your internal and external testing and while you've got a ton of external rotation and no internal rotation, again, it's a clue you possibly have acetabular or femoral retroversion to where your hip sockets and the way that your femurs connect with your body are a little different and that is that shape is going to dictate a different change in your squat stance. That's something obviously we cannot change short of surgery. The biggest thing you can do is try to change your technique and see if that can allow you to get into better positions. For some people, that means turning your toes out a little bit more in the bottom of a squat or having a different squat stance width to accommodate for that. Also, Once you've done a lot of your testing, you may also have to come to grips that you may not have ever the ability to squat ass to grass with a very upright chest looking position like the elite lifters you see on hook grip uh, shared on Instagram. Not everyone has that ability no matter how hard we try. Now, I do believe a lot of people have not yet reached their potential with mobility work to get in the best positions possible. So don't hang your hat that it's only anatomy. But know that there's somewhat of a ceiling for some people based on the anatomy stuff that we talked about today, especially those who have very deep hip sockets. I'm sorry we can't change that. But our goal is to find out what is the potential out there for you as far as your ability to get in a good deep squat if your goal is to be a CrossFit or weightlifter and get into a deep squat to catch those heavy weights. So that is it for today's show. I want to just thank you guys so much for listening to the show. It's awesome to see how this is growing as far as the podcast goes across all these different platforms. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, Google Play, any of the other platforms, I just want to say thank you so much for lending me your ears and listening to this podcast. I hope that is being helpful to you. I hope you are finding value in it. Um, If you are, please continue sharing Take a screenshot of uh, you listening to it on your phone. Share it across Instagram on your story so I can personally reach out to you and say thank you for it. It means so much to me to have you listen to this um, every single day. So um, again, thank you. And until next week, guys, happy squatting. That's it for today, class, on Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshig. For more exclusive content, log on to squatuniversity.com.